0: Namaste friends, you're listening to Impact India, a podcast that deep dives into the epic stories and innovation coming from the startup scene in India, with a focus on travel, fashion and tech. Each episode, I sit down with incredibly inspiring social entrepreneurs across the country to hear their story, learn about their initiatives and listen to their why. Looking for the newest and coolest social impact brands in travel, fashion and tech? Jump over to causeartist.com and join our community. Oh yeah, and I'm your host, Jasmine Rain, director of content at Cause Artist and social entrepreneur. I'm the co-founder and owner of Hada House, India's first zero waste travel organization and hotel chain. You can connect with me on social media at Jasmine Rain. All right, no more stalling. It's time to meet India's next generation of impact influencers. Let's get it. All right, here we are, episode 10 of Impact India. I am so grateful to everyone who's been listening. Um, I just got word from Grant that we're over 300 downloads already, which is so amazing. Impact India is being listened to all around the world, and I am so excited that I get to introduce you all to these incredible people. So today, I connect with Ramona Sabu, founder of 40 Red Bangles a Jodhpur-based, socially conscious fashion brand that celebrates the marriage of sustainability and design. Ramona comes from a background of building social enterprises and working with refugee groups in Melbourne, Australia, which inspired her to start her own business with a focus on community development and sustainable practices. The brand offers beautifully designed lifestyle products that find the roots in traditional organic sources. All the designs are created in-house, each are made with handmade, eco-friendly materials. They also collaborate and outsource elements of production to artisan groups to produce one-of-a-kind designs. The initiative enables undiscovered talent to reach new markets while supporting sustainable community
1: development. All right, so get ready
0: and check it out.
1: Hey, everyone. Hey, Jazz. Uh, my name's is Ramona. Um, I'm originally from Melbourne. I've been living in India for the past 12 years, and I have a sustainable lifestyle brand called Forty Red Bangles
0: amazing and I am so excited to share everything that you're doing with our audience today Uh, but of course first we need to go take a step back and tell Mm -hmm. us how did you go from Australia to India? Tell us that story.
1: Um, Well you know it's almost um, taking me back about 15 years. Um, I actually was involved with making a documentary in Melbourne with a friend of mine and um, you know she was sort of a documentary maker and we started looking at uh first and second generation indians in australia and um you know we all kind of met in a pub and uh you know quite informal just chatting and um a friend of mine that uh we sort of had had in common um brought along this um you know guy called anurak and uh you know she said you've got to meet him you know i've got to meet this guy and he's you know he's uh He's is, is a prince from Jodhpur and it all kind of started from there. <laughs> and, um, you know, at that point in time, there was no, um, nothing on the cards, and we just sort of uh, met through this documentary uh, process. Um, and it actually went on to become, you know, a famous documentary that won some awards and followed us to Jodhpur for our subsequent wedding that happened, you know. So famous last words, I'm never going to live in India, and um, I've been here for 12 years now. <laughs> It
0: seems like that's a trend with a lot of people. They're like, I'm never going to go back there. I'm never going to live there. And then we end up here forever working with incredible people. And we never
1: (laughs) want to leave. It's really funny. I I spent a lot of my um, childhood, most of my childhood holidays coming back to India because my mom is from a big family of 10 people. And um, so she was in Melbourne, you know, with no family. And so every school holidays, uh, she dragged us back to Delhi. And so my whole sort of childhood was memories of, you know, growing up and hanging out in Delhi. Um, and then I did not actually come back. I came back to India when I was 18 and did a bit of a kind of like, you know, trip around with a a friend of mine. And then I came back when I was 28 and getting married. So there was a big gap in between coming back of 10 years. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I am now. And like I said, 12 years old, I'm still here.
0: I love it. I love it. And I'd also, I'd love to hear a little bit more about this documentary. Do you mind sharing?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, um, funny actually it wasn't meant to be a documentary about me um it was more exploring you know i guess um the experience of a lot of our parents because you know a lot of our parents have been living in um australia uh, for the past you know 45 years plus and sort of their journeys and what brought them there and how that's kind of i guess um you know shaped our childhoods and how we've grown up so during that kind of a process of exploring that um you know it was a lot of family friends and we sort of kind of got together and um, like I mentioned, um, my now husband, Anurag, came along to that meeting and uh, we ended up sort of, you know, getting together during that documentary process. Um, and then the person who was making the documentary decided that it would be interesting to explore, I guess, our relationship and, you know, I guess, um, when we decided to get married, um, how that all worked out. So, it actually, we filmed the wedding in Melbourne and then she came to Joaquin and, you know the whole uh, difference in cultures and um, quite ex- you know quite extraordinary. So it was actually called um, the Wedding Sari Showdown, and I, I love it. <laughs> it, it uh, yeah, it actually went on to. Um, it's kind of weird. The whole you know the whole name of the business came from actually the Forty Road vandals But the documentary was called the Wedding Sari Showdown and actually went on to win a couple of awards, I think. Uh, funnily enough, but um, yeah, I haven't bought myself to watch it for quite a few years because it's quite cringe. <laughs> <laughs> very much a point in my life which you know I just look back and go oh gosh you know uh, it feels like a different world now to where I am
0: (laughs) for sure (laughs) okay so uh, let's just get this clear so you are married to a prince from Jodhpur
1: well yeah not not quite a prince from Jodhpur yes but I'm married um, you know to someone who is originally from Jodhpur Um, but when we met in Melbourne he'd been sort of uh, studying and working there for quite a few years so um I had no idea uh before we got together what I was getting myself into, and you know absolutely, I say love is blind, and I very much believe that
0: <laughs> I feel that's beautiful um okay, so let's dive into mm-hmm. you get you you move back to India. what happens next
1: um well, yeah, so we have been married for a couple of years, and then my um eldest daughter um was born and um at that kind of point, Anurag, I think, decided that he wanted to join the family business. Um, so, we were sort of in a situation where we had a six-month-old kid and it was like, well, you know, do I stay in Australia um, and kind of be like a single mother there with a kid or do I, you know, give it a go and come back to India? Um, so, we actually came for his sister's wedding when my daughter was about six months old and um, stayed for a couple of months and I was like, you know what, this is not so bad. I could do this, you know, like I all of a sudden had like 10 extra pairs of hands of people who were wanting to help out with my daughter. and it meant I got time out. And I was like, great, I've got someone to, you know, sort of um, make my meals. And it was awesome. So there wasn't a lot of thought that went into it, to be honest with you. Um, I think, you know, we just kind of went back and decided, well, let's just give this a go. And we um, went back to Melbourne um, after the wedding and literally just packed up our entire house and moved here with two suitcases in um, <laughs> 2007. That was pretty much how it happened. Incredible. Yeah. I know. So then my daughter was almost, yeah, she was probably about 10 months old when we came back in, um, in 2007 for the first time to live here.
0: Amazing. And how, mm-hmm. has she, how has she found that transition then? Because she's gotten to see both places.
1: Oh, funnily enough. I mean, she, look, she grew up, she, only was, she was only born in Melbourne. Um, but she considers herself to be a real Aussie, which is quite funny. Um, but I think, you know, we've obviously been back over the years because my entire family is in Melbourne.
0: Um,
1: so that obviously holds a very strong place for her, but you know, really she's grown up in Mumbai, you know, she really has grown up here. Um, and, um, yeah, a complete different world. I mean, very difficult for me when I moved. I didn't speak a word of Hindi. I mean, I understood a lot, but my Hindi was pretty crap. Um, so after moving here and getting married, I really had to learn the language and, um, you know, a lot of challenges. So I think the Mumbai that these, like my kids are growing up in now, is so different to when I moved here sort of 12 years ago. Very different. You know, very positive. Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. And, and I mean, I feel like just in the last five years of living here, uh, the transformations mm-hmm. that I've seen in big cities like Delhi and in, in Mumbai are, are massive. Yeah. Uh, the shifts have been yeah. incredible. So
1: different. So different. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so you have this beautiful connection with Jodhpur and, but you're living in Bombay and um, tell me a little bit about how you really got things running with 40 Red Bangles, and what, what was the inspiration behind that? I know that a lot of it had to do with actually like having extra time um, when you're, as your daughters were, were growing, were growing up and uh, you know, what led to that connection um, with fashion specifically in Jodhpur? I'd love to hear that story.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly speaking, I think the whole um, evolution of a brand has been very organic. Um, it was not something that I had this master plan that I set out to do. It just kind of like, like you said, um, my daughter was probably about three years old and, um, you know, I'd always worked in Melbourne. I had a background in working with community groups, uh, setting up economic development initiatives. And um, so when I came here, um, I was like, well, I really want to do something that is kind of meaningful that, um, you know, people like myself can kind of connect to. Um, and so I don't know where, I actually don't even remember. I just remember waking up my husband at one night at three in the morning and saying, Hey, I've got this idea. I want to make these line of organic cotton kids pajamas with Mumbai inspiration. And he's like, okay, that's great. And I go back to bed, you know, um, (laughs) you know, there was a lot of references here that I think, you know, when you look at Mumbai through different eyes, you, you sort of, we, you know, recognise like the, the yellow and black taxis and the Dabba and the Chai So the collection really just started, uh, to form from there. So it was about, you know, I guess, looking at um, the space environment that I was in and taking inspiration from, you know, everyday life and turning that into products that I felt that people would, um, you know, want to sort of be interested and be connected to as, as a place. So we started with that. That was kind of really with our kids' collection, with four designs, Um, four or five designs, I think, in the initial collection. Um, And I had no background in fashion. So, um, uh, but I, you know, my background was that okay if I'm going to start something, it has to have, you know, um, it can't just be another sort of, you know, brand. It's got to be eco-friendly. It's got to, and that was a really big thing for me coming from, I guess, Australia, where that's kind of how I'd grown up Um, in India. That was definitely not the case, you know, 12 years ago. Um, there was no such thing as, you know, organic or recycling or any of that sort of thing. Um, so it was a real process of learning for me, finding the right people to work with. I had a lot of disasters in the early years of sourcing. <laughs> um,
0: I can imagine. Yeah. Sourcing always seems to be such a hurdle. <laughs>
1: sourcing and also just learning how to do business here. Like I just had no clue and I took everything on face value and I really, you know... Just, oh, man, there were so many times, like, I look back now and think, I mean, I don't know how I kept going, but um, really deflating experiences of working with people and then getting ripped off and, you know, like, it's like, I don't understand, you know, why is this happening? And a lot of frustrations because, you know, um, the style of business and the way working here is so different. I still get frustrated by it. And that's been, you know, how many years I've been here. Um, So, yeah, it was a real journey, actually. And that's kind of how it started. And we just had a really small and um you know like i said made a lot of mistakes in the initial years and that was the days before i think instagram and all these things were really popular you know so um it was about creating an awareness about what is organic and why environmentally friendly and um you know we um went to so many events and spoke to so many you know customers and really educated people about what we were doing um, and then from there, the collection just kind of, you know, uh, developed and sort of, you know, we started doing um, little capsule collections, but every collection we've done has a story, has sort of, you know, some sort of um, connectivity with, you know, either the place or the people. And that's how we kind of um, developed the brand, I think, really, over a period of time.
0: Mm. Beautiful. And, mm-hmm. and how did you start connecting with uh, more artisans in the community?
1: Um, that took time. Uh, it was a real process. And I think um, the Jodhpur sort of side of the story, um, you know, really happened because I used to travel to Jodhpur quite regularly um, when my daughter was small. Um, you know, obviously at that age, school is not as important when sort of three, around the age of three or four. So we used to travel a lot to Jodhpur. And I, we just get really, um, you know, after a couple of days of enjoying the kind of slow pace and just, you know, having afternoon siestas, I kind of go, Oh God, I'm so bored. What do I do? And I couldn't understand, like why does everyone sleep in this city all the time? And like, you know, cause, <laughs> yeah, because of the heat, you know, people just, um, yeah, the, the pace of life and the working life is so different. And I, even now I find it, you know, I struggle with it when I work there, but I was like, you know, there has to be something beyond, um, the world that I know through, I guess, my husband's family and the experiences that I've had. So I started, you know, doing some research and looking for community groups and finding out what people would do in the city and just approach people and started understanding about what else was happening out there. And, um, you know, through that process of just researching and meeting people, um, met some interesting um, individuals who were, you know, really trying to make a difference, I guess, in terms of... Um, with society, with women's groups. Um, and it all really just started from there. It was very, like I said, um, there was no huge plan in terms of what I wanted to do. It just sort of evolved. And, um, you know, we were associated with a group in Jogu, uh called Sambali Trust. And, um, you know, over the years developed quite a beautiful relationship with them and um, outsourced elements of our production to them. So that's how it's really been a very sort of organic process. Mm. Um, and something that you know um, has taken years to sort of, like, you know, build and create those kind of networks.
0: Yeah, it, I, I think that's also what's so beautiful about your story because also you've been you've been doing this for a while. Um, you know, you were also it, it isn't just a trend thing. You know, you, you really do believe in you know ensuring that your products are you know good for people and the planet and providing employment and providing opportunity and you know I and, and he, I feel like learning from you is huge for 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 millennials that are you know trying to get more into this into the industry because uh I think a lot of people don't realize that there is still a lot of struggle even with so many resources available to us now like there's still so
1: much hmm. to consider and, and- oh, absolutely absolutely, absolutely. I think it's- so many things you contend with when you're working at a grassroots level. I mean, you know, this is realities of people's lives and the limitations that come with that. And, you know, we were trying to produce a product at the end of the day that's of international quality that at the end of it has to sell. Bottom line is it has to sell. If it doesn't sell, then it's no use to producing anything because, you know, it's not, you're not going to be able to then give back to the artisans or, you know, create sustainable income for them. So, It was really about creating a product that would sell, that had international appeal, that had a story behind it. So, yeah, it's a real labour of love, like everything absolutely. Like, I, you know, I mean, I love what I do, which is probably why I'm still doing it. Um, uh, And it has evolved over the years. But, yeah, it comes with a lot of challenges, a lot of challenges, I think, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and and I know transparency is becoming you know, becoming a lot more demanded from the consumer side. And it's also becoming a lot more difficult for brands to provide that information to their audience. And,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and I think the, gra- you know, more grassroots organizations are probably are definitely leading that, um, mm-hmm. that like revolution of being able for having consumers be able to access everything that they're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's also, I'll, I think big brands can learn a lot from someone like you as well, because um, you know, it, it Connecting with communities, I think, is, mm-hmm. is also a big part that's missing from, um, you know, moving forward and, and making your brand more sustainable. Um, there, there needs to be that human connection, and and that's been lacking from the fashion industry for so long. Um, I think so. I think so. And I think
1: it's something that when we kind sort of, I think we were one of the pioneers to actually really get into the organic kind of space in, in India. There was quite a few brands that cropped up around the same time, and we're all sort of still on, on that journey. Um but, yeah, there was a lot of, you know, consumer education and awareness and why organic and or why this. And nowadays it's like, you know, everyone's doing it. Everyone's in the sustainable space. And um, it's so, so different. To the, you can just even look back 10 years ago. Um, and we were doing, we were working with herbal dyes and we were working with a whole range of, um, you know, different things that people were never actually explored or understood, you know, in terms yeah. of um, the product or in terms of... Um, you know, why is this price like this and why is it not priced like that? And um, it was really, yeah, difficult to stay true to, I guess, our core and, um, you know, have integrity about what we were doing. And um, even as we've expanded the brand and now we've got a physical store, that was something that only has only happened in the last couple of years. Um, but, yeah, it's really hard. You've got to keep coming back to the core, you know, and, and what you do and why you do what you do and then try and sort of work within that sort of um, – You know realm and it it is it is tricky it's challenging because it's it's tempting sometimes to go you know well let's just do xyz instead and you know make some money and but you're like no 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 but that's Mm -hmm. kind of it's yeah so it's it's as a brand um you know you've got to really keep on i think evaluating um you know where you're at and how you sort of move with the times and how you evolve
0: hundred percent. And, and I, part of that evolution for you is also like, which is huge is that you actually have a physical location, which is very rare for a yeah. uh, sustainable brand because, you know, brick and mortar is always just like a ridiculous expense that a lot of, you know, yeah. homegrown, small organizations can't incur. And, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious, you know, what has that process been uh, looked like for you? And is there any kind of uh, expert tips you could share with, you know, um, like sustainable fashion entrepreneurs who are looking into trying to have a physical space, but, you know, are are obviously facing a lot of financial barriers
1: (laughs) possibly. Absolutely. And even for us, I mean, honestly speaking, um, you know, I just moved into an office space in Mumbai last year. I've been working out of home for the last 10 years um, but now, like, I'm kind of bursting out of my house, and my kids you need know, more space, and so I really had to make a move into a physical space in Bombay. Um, but having a retail space in Bombay has never been a feasible option given all the um, limitations. And you know, I've seen so many um, amazing, iconic brands come and go over the last 10 years um, just because the retail. Uh, space in Mumbai has changed, and real estate here is so um, ridiculously expensive. So it's it's a shame because you know that that model is really um, not available to everyone in, in, the, in the in major cities for sure, um, particularly in Mumbai. I know of it, which is really really difficult here. Um, so, you know, for us, we, we, we used to do um, mostly events. We used to, do, obviously, we had our own online store, which, again, was something that was really new 10 years ago to have an online platform. And um, nowadays, it's like, you know, everyone's so used to shopping online, but 10 years ago, um, you know, we had a fully fledged online store with, you know, payment gateways and everything. <laughs> it just—it's only taken off probably in the last couple of years, I think. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, because you know, everyone's so used to shopping online, and they—they they know the brand, and they know they trust the brand. So that's taken a long time to, get to point. Um, but yeah, I think you know, for us, the opportunity in Dupur, um came up, and you know. Um, it wasn't something that was necessarily that we'd planned. I mean, obviously, having a brick-and-mortar space makes a lot of difference um, to a brand in, in terms of being able to showcase, you know, the look and feel and the story of what you're doing and the experience for customers, which is something that we've always sort of wanted to do. So a couple of years ago, um, this, you know, leads into, I guess, what they're doing in the old city in George There's a whole redevelopment project happening. Um, and they're actually, you know, uh, trying to sort of, I guess, bring back uh, life and, uh, you know, uh, retail into the old city. So, um, you know, we actually, um, you know, just got on board with it. So it's been, we've had a physical store in Jordan for the last uh, two years. And, um, you know, it's, it's again, uh, something that's still really early days. I think, you know, maybe in a few years to come, um, you know, we'll see sort of the, the, the redevelopment taking more shape and form, but it's still really early days in 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 that sense um but as a brand it's allowed us to do and explore um a lot you know in terms of just you know with our customers with designs with working with artisans Um, yeah a whole range of uh things have opened up over the last couple of years for us as a brand by having a physical space but i think reality is for a lot of brands um who don't have the option of going to say a two-tier city it's really, really tough at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Really
0: tough. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's the, the biggest thing is like uh, obviously for, for, for you, it makes total sense to be in Jodhpur, of course. But obviously for like a big brand in Delhi or Bombay, they're like, oh, to move to a two or three tier city might not totally make sense for them. Unless they are working with the community in some way and there's a way to tie it in, but. Yeah. um, And and also tourism plays a big role there as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Jodhpur, uh, like I'm so embarrassed to tell people that I still haven't been to (laughs) Jodhpur. Uh, I live in the neighboring city and really not far in Bikania. It's so embarrassing to tell people. Um, don't worry, I am planning to go because I'm also <laughs> extremely excited to actually see your your shop. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm curious to maybe how tourism has played a role in uh, your growth there as well, because that, that definitely seems, uh, like even in Beacon Air over the last five years, like I'm amazed by, uh, in, in 2014, 15, there was like not even like one coffee shop. And now there is so many cool little spaces and there's yeah. pizza, uh, restaurants and game board cafes. And, you know, you can tell that tourism has played a major role in that. So I'm curious to what that's looked like in, in uh, sorry, in Jodhpur.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think obviously, um, you know, Jodhpur traditionally has always been a sort of one night destination kind of place. You know, people would come, they would kind of see the uh, palace, and then they'd see the fort and then they'd kind of leave. So what they're trying to do is, I guess, um, you know, bring back a bit of life into the old city. So they're taking over a lot of um, old properties, actually restoring them and turning them into retail spaces and into um, you know, eateries and a whole range of things. Um, and obviously tourism plays a part in that, in, but, you know, as you would appreciate, it's very seasonal. So, you know, we're yeah, looking at course. October through, to say, March, where we have, uh, you know, some, you know, people coming through. But, um, and, you know, the people who come through jodhpur um, we get a really nice international sort of, you know, clientele that comes through. Um, we also have a lot of domestic people coming through, you know, who um, uh, we've seen that uh, really increase over the last couple of years. But I think the key and I think to any of these places to making any of these sort of initiatives whether it's a shop or whatever is is local um, you have to have local participation you know so that is something that we um, are really trying to uh, bring about because you know the mentality of people um, and the acceptance I think for things that are new or changing um, really takes time. Like our, our, our store is located in the old city of Jawapur. And if you ask most people, they never go to the old city. There's no, like, no reason for them to go there, apart from a couple of cool maybe restaurants that they might go to at night time. They would never venture into the old city. Um, so, you know, I think if you want to make something sustainable and you really want to build um, a successful kind of brand, you have to have local involvement in what you're doing and brand awareness. So... We have been really conscious of um, working with other local designers uh, in Jodhpur and doing collaborations with them so um, that we can actually give them a platform for displaying their work. So there's there's a lot of talent in Jodhpur, as you'd appreciate, and a lot of people doing amazing work, but they have nowhere to actually showcase their work. Um, So we're actually opening up a second space this season Um, which has only just really happened in the last two weeks. I was in Georgia for a couple of weeks ago, just kind of working out details of the second space. Um, And that's going to really allow us to, I guess, connect with a lot of local, um, you know, designers and artisans and showcase, you know, a lot more of their work there. So I think that is kind of like really important because, you know, um, traditionally the mentality of people is, you know, they don't shop in their own city, you know, it's like, they'll buy things when they travel, they buy things when they go out of cities, but they think that in Georgia, you know, you just don't get good stuff. Um, So I think for us, that's been something that we've been really focusing on Um, and to, you know, get, so we've been doing a lot of events and pop-ups outside of the old city um, with other brands to, create an experience with people where they understand what we do. And then, you know, we sort of see that flow through coming when people actually come into the store. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a process that takes time. a, a, a real sort of mental block around, um, I guess, shopping, you know, for, for locals in, in their local city.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And also congratulations on the second store. That's really, really exciting. Uh, and it, yeah. it just sounds like it's <laughs> going to bring so much more connection to what you're doing. Uh, so that's really, really beautiful.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I'm curious. So, like, if you so let's say if you there was no barriers and you could totally open a shop in Bombay because yeah. it's affordable. Let's ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that uh, you know consumers in some of these bigger cities are connecting? to more like homegrown smaller brands and like are they you know like the malls across India are like Mm. mind-blowing to me so I'm just curious to how you've found consumerism shifting as well as you know the consumer mindset seems to be taking over in the millennial generation
1: yeah I mean I think it's it's actually become really saturated to be honest with you I think there's so Mm. many um you know amazing homegrown brands but the space has become really Um, overcrowded and you know as a brand if you want to create visibility um, you've got to put money behind it nowadays you know even to kind of cut through on any social media platform if you're not doing sponsored ads and all this kind of stuff it's just hard to get visibility because of all the you know the way in which all these things work Um, I think it's really tough and I think you know the last uh, few years especially you've seen all these big brands that have come in Um, to the metro metro cities um, and, you know, fast fashion has become something that is just so readily and easily available and, um, you know, the opportunity for sort of um, more sustainable brands to um, get visibility is getting more and more challenging because although the model has changed a lot now, so there's more the trend towards having, um, you know, events and pop-ups and that kind of thing and more sort of curated spaces... Even then, a lot of times, the actual feasibility of participating in them for a small brand um, is, even for us, it's just not feasible. Like, by the time you kind of look at, you adding up logistics and you look at kind of like, um, you know, resources, it doesn't make sense. Like, you don't end up making any money. So, it becomes purely like a marketing or PR kind of exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, for me, I have to really pick and choose as a brand where I put my resources and my energy because I can't literally be doing everything so um I know a lot of people who do that and they just their model is purely just doing events and it really works well for them you know I think um they just go all around the country um they can you know they've got that kind of setup where they you know do a lot of made to order but I think as a brand you've got to decide on what your model is going to be um and you know how you need to position yourself because you really, honestly, um can't do everything unless you're a huge brand that has a huge budget and just can kind of afford to, you know, be everywhere, literally. Um, And there's very few brands that operate in that space, I think, in India that are not, you know, uh, big sort of chain stores. So, yeah, I think it's changing and it's evolving. And I think, um, you know, we're constantly evolving and changing what we do and reassessing along the way. And I think, um, yeah, as a brand, I mean, for 40 Bangles, it has a home and it has a connect and it has a story with Jodhpur. And I think that's very much where the brand is going to be parked and based. And I can see the growth and the potential there, although it will take a number of years, I feel, to really get it to a point where it becomes quite an iconic homegrown brand. Um, but, you know, I'm just kind of trying to enjoy that process and that journey and just let it kind of like take its own life. And we have, you know, plans next year to open like a, entire lifestyle sort of space with a, you know, organic kind of cafe looking at local seasonal produce and so there's a lot Amazing. of plans to kind of just evolve it as the audience we feel is ready for that um but in terms of you know doing anything in bombay um there are a lot of other plans for exploring i guess some other interesting areas that again are sustainable but um more sort of i guess uh, not mass market, but I guess in, in some ways, you know, there's a, a more of a mass appeal to certain things that we're exploring now that could be viable in a city like Bombay. But again, online, not in the physical space. Yeah. <laughs> not an option. Yeah. Really not an option.
0: I, I'm curious, why do you think Australia is so focused on um, like eco-friendly, organic, local? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it, is it just because, it's so like off to the side, you know? Like, tell, like, can you give me a little bit more insight? Because I've always been so inspired by some of the organizations I see coming out of Australia. And, you know, it, it does sound like that's been a big part of your journey as well. So I'm just curious to kind of where you think that's rooted from in Oz.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's always been a uh, focus in Australia. It's always been homegrown. It's always been, um, you know, uh, shop local. And there's a big push and emphasis on that. And you know, the the issue in Australia has got um, a lot of other issues in the sense that most of the industry and most of that has moved offshore now. So there's very little, um, you know, in terms, especially the fashion industry, very little that actually gets made in Australia. So, you know, again, that is sort of changing. um, But because there's such an influx of products from different parts of the world, especially, you know, Southeast Asia. Locally, there has always been that sort of focus, and Australia's always had that awareness uh, regarding, um, you know, recycling. And there's always been sort of awareness about that. And but now Australia itself is facing a lot of issues with, um, you know, dumping of uh, like you know garbage, and you know, China sort of banned taking any sort of um, rubbish from Australia. So there's a lot of issues there. And you know, we're actually doing a project. Um, in Australia with a, um, a manufacturer of school, for school uniforms, actually looking at a whole entire circular design for school uniforms. Once upon a time, it was all just about organic cotton and, you know, eco-friendly fabrics, but now um, the whole push is towards um, how to make things circular design. So, you know, taking recycled fibers and then making them into a garment. And so the whole process becomes, you know, um, circular. And it's something that's very new. It's something that, um, you know, people are, are looking towards now. Um, but at least in Australia, you have that acceptance. Um, you have that sort of awareness. And, uh, you know, people are quite open to these sort of concepts. Whereas I feel in India, there's still, there's still a way to go. People right. have an acceptance. Well,
0: people like you are helping lead that, lead the way. So thank you for what you do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely.
0: Um, before we wrap up, uh, mm-hmm. we didn't even cover the story of what 40 Red bangles means. Um, so obviously we have an audience who is not mm-hmm. co- totally familiar with um, Indian culture. So would uh-huh. you mind just kind of explaining uh, the, the meaning behind 40 Red Bengals and and how that's integrated into your brand?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Red bangles actually comes from um, when an Indian bride, a uh, bride, gets married, she has to wear um, a set of bangles, for red and white bangles, for a period of forty days after she gets married. Um, so this is very much my story. When I um, Anurag and I got married in Melbourne first, and the maternal uncle of the bride is uh, you know puts the bangles on the day before the wedding. So. Um, you know, I remember being in Melbourne, and uh, it was a Friday. I've got my bangles on, and then at night time, I had to take them off because I had to do dishes. And this is reality. You know, I took them off, in the morning, put them back on again, and then the went and got married. So <laughs> when I was coming to um, three weeks later or so, we came to India for the Indian wedding in Jaipur, and um, I put the red bangles on again. And um, you know, obviously. Being in Melbourne, I had to be practical. I had to wash dishes. I had to do this. I had to do that. I had to go to work. So I, I, I didn't wear the bangles until I came back to India for my Indian wedding. And the, there's a scene in the documentary where um, it, the, it was a big, it was a big um, secret that no one knew we had got married in Australia, apart from his immediate family, um, because he was the eldest um, of, you know, in his family. So everyone was concerned that if they knew we'd already been married, no one would come to the wedding. Oh. So we had to keep the whole thing kind of secret. And this was really not okay with me. And I wore the bangles. And um, what happened was someone from his side of the family asked his mother, why is she wearing um, the red bangles? And uh, his mother sort of said, oh, she's just wearing them for fun, you know. And my mother was standing there. And my mum said, no, 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 they're actually being married in Melbourne. So it was this big like da-da-da moment. Uh, and you know there was like commotion i think the wedding really got caught, called off about 10 times and then there was a sandstorm oh, it was crazy. Um, but having said that it was a real turning point i guess in my life so the 40-year bangles you know really signifies i guess my journey and uh, my connection from melbourne to sort of you know mumbai and then Jodhpur. um and you know that's why it has i guess such a strong, uh, you know, uh, sort of meaning for me because um, it really was a a massive turning point in my life and, um, you know, across cultures. And like I said, when I got married at that point, I really had no idea about um, the journey that I was going to, you know, go on. And um, the Mumbai and the India then 10 years ago was very different to where we are now, very, very different. Um, So the the name sort of came from there and it's something that, you know, Still, you know, when people read the story or they understand, um, it has, you know, that sort of significance. And so we we look at it in terms of the marriage now between sustainability and design. Um, But very much, it's a very personal kind of, I guess, uh, meaning for me and and, uh, really talks about my journey and my experiences here.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I, I, love, I love when people uh, the, like the, the leaders of brands can be so vulnerable with their story and how it connects uh, to everything that they're working on. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. This has been such an amazing chat. I, I want to chat more. And I'm like, I cannot wait to go to the to go to go one of your stores. I'm mean, going to go to both just so I can say I did it. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, so I guess, uh, you know, when can people expect that the second store is opening? Where can people find you, get, get more information when just sharing with our audience uh, where to hop on to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're uh, obviously
1: online, 40 uh, and uh, the second store will be open probably by October. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping to kick it off this season. Um, and again, you know, exciting that we're going to have uh, a men's collection launching there, for 40 of bangles that we're developing with a local designer as well. And uh, a lot of other local designers will be featured in that space. So um, our current store, you know, is quite small. So this is going to give us a little bit more space to kind of actually um explore and showcase um a range of different designers um so yeah that's that's really exciting i mean i think you know um if you come to jodhpur you you know you get a sense of these gorgeous uh, old havelis that have been restored and i mean it's like a dream you know when you're there you just like you know the whole shopping experience is so pleasurable because um you know we've got people living next door to our store and we've got just life happening all around us and it's the heart of the old city it's it's pretty amazing um, so i do you know to really count my blessings every day, that I've had the experience to actually, um, you know, create this, you know, for the, for the brand and sort of evolve it over a period of time. And I really feel that, you know, for 40 of is going to be, you know, it's forever home. Um, and I really hope that we can, you know, create that sort of uh, following for the brand, not just with, you know, our international audience, but also kind of the local audience. Well, I think that's really, really key. Um, and we're pushing a lot of boundaries there with the kind of stuff we're doing in terms of events and uh you know really uh getting people to i think appreciate um their space and uh kind of what their city has to offer i think that's really really key and um yeah so we're kind of you know we've got two stores almost on the horizon um we're online obviously instagram i just wish instagram would make the app in india um available to all brands, like, so we can actually shop from the Instagram um, app, that would be really, really handy. I think as a ah, brand, that's hugely challenging, um, because that's such a, you know, we uh, being in India, you have all these restrictions in terms of things and, you know, features that are not rolled out, uh, you know, to all brands in India. Um, so I think as a small brand, um, you know, these are challenges and realities that, you know, you have to kind of deal with constantly, because it just makes your product not as accessible as you would like it to be. Um, but I have word that that's going to change. So let's fingers crossed that all happens this year.
0: Well, I will tag Instagram, their entire team when this goes live so that they know that there are amazing people doing incredible work that need their support.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I, mean, I, I really, I really, really like actually one of the um, four girls that used to work with us, she was sort of there beginning. She actually got um, headhunted by Facebook and now she's living in San Fran and you know, uh, working with them, and I'm like, please just tell them, just let them know. I just want product tagging, and I really need it a brand. And it, um, yeah, because it just, you know, it's uh, it sounds so small, but then when you're a small brand and you're trying to get visibility and you, you know, to kind of convert sales, it becomes um, the bottom line is like, you know, you really have to like push it on all fronts. Um, so yeah, anyone out there in the Instagram world, please like get it as soon as possible, <laughs> please, for the rest of us. I mean,
0: I'm gathering all my troops. We're gonna, we're gonna take them down. We're like, you gotta do this. Hey. <laughs> we got to.
1: <you. laughs> and with a big population of one billion plus, like you just cannot. Yeah. A hundred percent. They're
0: missing out, actually. <laughs> Sorry. They're totally missing out by not doing That's this. what I'm saying,
1: it's such a huge, huge, huge markets so it just cannot be disregarded because it the power here of you know people um, is, is immense, but I don't think it's been harnessed at all as much as it needs to be, you know? So yeah, anyone out there who's listening, you know, just please jump on board and get
0: it. Awesome. Well, now we have a call to action for this, uh, this podcast episode. I love it. Um, Ramona, thank you so much for your time today. This has been so, so lovely. Um, thank you for sharing your story. I'm really excited to, Go shop to to meet you hopefully in the in the near future. We've had a few chats and I'd love to meet face yeah, no, to face and have coffee.
1: Show you around Jukur and you know kind of get yes. a sense of what the city is all about and I mean you know it's it's exciting to see it evolving. I've not been visiting the city for the last 15 years since I've been married and um, you know I now go there with different eyes. You know I see it through different different yeah, land, okay. different eyes. And my experience of I guess the city is so different to what it was you know even 10 years ago and um you know i just feel i'd love to share that with more people i'd love to get more people coming through and you know there's amazing music festivals and also that, that, that's happening there now as you would know and um yeah anytime you're there definitely i'd love to post you absolutely awesome
0: oh i feel honored thank you <laughs> awesome well thank you again and uh yeah i'll see you soon hopefully
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot.
0: feeling inspired see what other impact stories we have to share over on carsartist.com be sure to subscribe for weekly updates from grant and i about content giveaways and new episodes from disruptors for good and impact india looking to learn more about social impact and conscious living in india hit me up on instagram at jasmine rain cheers friends